All right, so I got a problem. The problem is I need more reviews for the podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And the solution I came up with is I'm going to give away a free 10-minute Zoom call randomly to people who go ahead and leave a review on either Apple Podcast or Spotify, and I'll randomly select someone every single week. So I'll be giving away one of these calls every single week. No idea how long I'll run this for. But guys, please, if you've enjoyed this podcast at all, head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcast, leave a review, and then you've got to screenshot it and send it to me on Instagram at WTF Gym Talk so I know who to hit up so we can schedule that 10-minute Zoom call where you can ask me any questions about your business, the industry, whatever it is you want. I'm all yours for 10 minutes. Please head on over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, leave that review, send me the screenshot DM, and I will talk with you hopefully very fucking soon. What is up, guys? It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. We're talking a little respect the tempo, a little fitness today. I've got my man, Coach Rich Diaz, athlete advisor Rich Diaz, back in the podcast. Um, had Rich on before. We talked about uh, his training the dark side, his flow, uh, his flow state uh, training theory, and all that. And since then, I've gotten to go out and actually work with the man himself um, and his laboratory out there in Franklin, Tennessee. Incredible experience. Had a huge, bla- a great blast with that. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit. And then I start seeing videos of this very similar very familiar setting, your laboratory, but people are wearing these very, uh, they definitely didn't wear, they didn't opt to wear them there. They're wearing some unique suits and you're doing some, some more, uh, some crazy witch doctor shit. And I'm like, well, what's rich up to now? And so, yeah, I got glad we got you on here, brother. Thank you again for coming on and uh, excited to t- talk with you today. As I had told you before we got live, uh, I have not discussed this other than teasing it. Uh, anywhere socially or through any podcast or what have you, not even my own. I, and um, I, but I have I have gone into great detail when people came to see me, as you as you found out by seeing these guys training in these uh, suits. Yeah, it looked. I mean, and since I've been there, and again, I want to recap this. I've done this on. I've talked about this on a podcast where I did a recap and going and seeing you. That was such a great experience. Like, I mean, I'm taught like. It, it, I know it might not – to you, maybe it doesn't seem it because it's your home and people are coming to you. I think that's why it's even more of a unique experience. Number one, you should definitely be charging more. That it, I would have paid way more money for it. You're doing a great – it was it's so fucking good. So you get there. and I, Let's just recap this for other people listening. So um, if you go out and see Rich in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a great – you know, you fly into Nashville. You, you know, it's about a 20-ish minute drive from Nashville out there. Franklin's a great, nice burby, but like with a lot of space, a lot of, you know, a lot of sprawl, but like great downtown area, awesome steak, good little Irish, like good bars, good, great walking around, very quaint. But Rich has got this awesome setup and you come in and, you know, the first thing we did, we, we talked, talked about the goals, the objectives, all that. And then we went ahead and you got me on your your insane treadmill. Uh, I've never ran backwards on a treadmill. So like I was checking the boxes. I ran backwards on a treadmill uh, while I was there. And I also ran backwards on a treadmill while watching a video screen of myself running backwards on the treadmill from a profile to see my, my, my cadence and my step and my technique because running is just something that nobody wants to spend time on technique work 
because you can't watch yourself do it. You can watch yourself lift weights in the mirror. You can videotape yourself lifting weights and watch that video later. You can't videotape yourself running. And from a technique perspective, unless you're on a treadmill. Um, so that was the technique work, the VO2 max, and then the culmination, right? And I remember you saying to me, you're like, this is all good, right? You just had a good VO2 max test. You're looking good here. It doesn't mean shit till we get you on the road. And then you got on your e-bike and I got out there and we ran and you kind of kept me, you know, you'd have me bump up to a certain pace and then dial it back down, watching everything that was happening. And, um, that was such a great experience. I cannot recommend it for anyone else. If you're in this hybrid racing world or you're training for a marathon like me, or you just want to learn more about your ability to tolerate fatigue. Uh, it was great, brother. I, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. I appreciate that. There's, it's always, look, it gets me excited. You know, you'd think that, the, yeah, well, it's another day at the park for me. I get excited every time I do it. Yeah. And because there's no, there's no standard. There's not like, well, if I put you here, it looks like this. Everybody looks like that. Everybody's different. Everybody's unique. Same thing with the way they move. You know, if they're not moving well, why not? What can we do to improve upon it? And as you suggested, uh, alluded to, it's, it's People do not give enough energy to the actual act of running. They just take it for granted. They assume that, well, that's a natural function. We should just be able to do, and however we do it, we do it, right? And that's just not the way it works. It's physics, right? It's like, you know, it, it just, there's a, and I had this conversation, did a podcast yesterday with someone that is uh, an elite athlete. And, um, I saw the way she, I see everybody's running. I mean, I, I can't help it because everybody shows themselves either in an event or social media or whatever. And um, it, honestly, nine out of 10 times it's dismal. The way guys are approaching the work, I'm thinking, wow, it could be so much better. It could be so much better. Uh, but they, you know, they want to leave well enough alone. I'm doing pretty well. My times are good. You know, I'm the shit, you know, uh, leave me alone, you know. And I'm looking at it going, well, I could see where you could make up a tremendous amount of time and reduce a tremendous amount of impact on your body if you did it right, if you were taking the time to invest and make the changes you need to make. But um, that's probably conversation for another day. Yeah. What I, I'm excited to get into this, too, because I know I know when you saw something that I posted about the, the heat yeah. training. So kind of I got see, your attention. I did. You know, it looked like, you know, I'm like, Rich has got him in like, a, I don't know, some leftover COVID biohazard suits over here. And then like, because I come, you know, my strength and conditioning background in college was uh, worked with the wrestling team. I lived in a house with all wrestlers. And so I would see these guys trash bag and go and cut weight and do this. And I, and I realized it wasn't as archaic as that idea, but I'm like, Okay, and I could see like you had some you've got you've got some kind of software that you're using to for this. So go ahead and just kind of explain to everyone what you've been dabbling in and then what got you there. So my my interest, my my passion is in trying to figure out what triggers you need to defeat fatigue. As an athlete, I don't care what arena you're competing in. Fatigue is the enemy. You know, you're producing work and then eventually it overcomes you too much work and then you you start to falter, right? So in my book and in, in the conversations and, and through my research I've done with people, 
Lactate's always a big deal. What are we doing to contend more effectively with the onset of lactate? So I've spent a lot of energy in that. And it's a big one. I mean, you go hard, you go hard, you, you go into your carbohydrate stores. When you go into your carbohydrate stores, the, the outcome is you produce lactate. So the more lactate you produce, and if it goes unchecked, eventually it, it becomes toxic and uh, it starts to shut you down. And so you may even sense that you have more in the tank, more capability of producing work, but the lactate starts to take you out. So it's been a big deal. I've been paying a lot of attention to it, and I've been working around uh, the, the methodologies I've learned in order to safeguard against that or deal with it more effectively. And then the other consideration that everybody knows about, but nobody gives it any energy, once, once again, is overheating. So you realize that when you're, whether you're outdoors, whether you're indoors in, in a hybrid style competition, wherever you might be, when you jack your heart rate up, your heart rate is going to cause your body temperature to go up with it. Okay? So this is interesting. This is a deal breaker for most people when I tell them this. Let's just say hypothetically, let's just, just convert the work you're doing into watts. Okay? Now, cyclists know about watts. They ride their bike. They're paying attention more to watt production than they are their heart rate. But, um, and it's also linear because you're not leaving the ground, so it's easier to track. But uh, whether it be watts or heart rate, let's just talk about work. The more work you do, you, you want to be rewarded for that work, right? So I'm doing harder work to get better at what I'm doing, go faster at what I'm trying to achieve. Do you know that 75% of the work you do, the watts you generate, the heart rate you create, goes to mitigating the heat in your body. And the, the, the pale 25% of the work you produce goes towards your performance. So think of this. If you produce, like in an hour, just I'm going to just give you a hypothetical. Let's just say, and it's probably not a good number, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, just for the sake of argument. If you produce 1,000 watts of energy in an hour, 750% or 750 watts of that work is going towards mitigating heat and the rest of it's going to go towards your forward momentum now we say heat so and you we were talking obviously sauna and cold plunge and manipulating your body's temperature but that's ex that's external correct well, okay you're so the trick so here's the, yeah, i'm glad you brought it up because here's where i i think it's entertaining and i'm almost having i'm not almost i am having fun with it because i know how the world works right they see, oh, get hot, get used to being hot. If you acclimate yourself to heat, then you can perform better in the heat. Well, you may acclimate to heat. You may be able to suffer better in the heat, but that's not a physiological adaptation. That's not you changing body. Okay, so what there, there, there's a difference between acclimation and acclimatization. Acclimatization is when you have a physiological adaptation relative to the influences that you expose yourself to. So what we're talking about is not just getting hot, because I see guys do this all the time. You brought it to light. They get in the cold plunge. They get you know they get in a sauna. Um, guys going to do the um, um, what is that crazy ass uh, ultra marathon um, in the desert? 
Oh, like anyway. bad. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're. Bad right, water. Yeah. Bad water. That's it. Yeah. Right. So bad water. It's 125 <laughs> degrees out there. So what guys will do in preparation for that is they'll expose themselves to a tremendous amount of heat. They get in the sauna. They'll run and maybe run on a treadmill in the heat. Whatever. They're just getting used to being in the heat. But that's unchecked. That's just you getting burnt. And your performance, when, you're, when your core temperature starts going up, your, your, your performance falls off. So you might get better at supporting work in the heat, but you're not changing your body's capacity to perform better in the heat. Now, that's tricky. And for the longest time, uh, it wasn't even thought about because there was no clean way to monitor your body's core temperature. You can't just stick a thermometer in your mouth. That doesn't work. What a lot of the Olympians were doing, and still to this day do, is they will train with a a, a 10 centimeter probe up their ass. Rectal. Okay. And they'll have physiologists in a controlled environment that's monitoring what their temperatures are doing. Now, now here's the kicker, okay? There is a sweet spot in your core temperature where you develop adaptation. And adaptation is much like going to altitude. Now what's happening is you're increasing your blood plasma. So your blood plasma will get will run away from your, your, um, your red blood cells. And so your body will try to create homostasis. So what it'll do is it'll start balancing it out by creating more red blood cells to keep up with the plasma. So what ends up happening is your aerobic potential goes through the roof because uh, your body's changing and it's relative to a specific heat. So like if you go over this window of opportunity, your, your performance degrades. If you're under that window, it doesn't achieve. So there's this, this window that you have to get into and you have to support work in this window. So here's what I found out. And this is, this is really interesting stuff. If I told you that I could make a significant difference in your performance, ready, in five days, you're going to think, what do you mean? What, what could I possibly do that's going to change my ability to perform work in five days? Now you're, now you're paying attention, right? Yeah. It's like, dude, I found out that through a, a very specific type of heat block training. And this, this is scientifically validated. I can show you the studies. I've gone through it. I could not find anybody that would argue with this. There's a window of opportunity where your body will start to not just adapt, but your body will physiologically change to, to, to uh, perform, not just perform in the heat, but, but perform, much like you spend a month at altitude. What's and physiologically so changing? So, uh, you know, so like you're, you're going to ramp up your red blood cells. Okay. You're going to be able to perform at a much higher level. Your VO2 score will go up. And that's essentially what EPO is, right? Wasn't it like Lance Armstrong's drug? Well, yeah. Well, so, but the, all they're doing is they're trying to rack in more red blood cells. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But it, I'm telling you that the, this, can, this can occur. Let's just say that you, you wanted to uh, do a race uh, in, Tell you right, you're going you're going to altitude, Leadville, somebody like that, or someplace like that. So, what are your options to acclimate to that elevation? You could go there and stay there for two weeks ahead of time, 
and your body will start to change and you will start to improve and you will be able to do better than coming from sea level and trying to perform at that altitude. But it's going to take a couple of weeks. And, you know, after those couple of weeks, what's going to happen is your your adaptations are going to flatten out. They're not going to continue to, to climb and climb and be better and better and better. You're just going to your body's just going to change relative to the, the biometric pressures and circumstance. Right. By doing this heat block training, you will arrive at the same type of benefits you would typically arrive at at altitude without no matter where you are. You could be at, at sea level and doing it correctly within. They're saying that 80 percent of the benefits you're going to achieve are going to happen in the first five days. 80% of the benefits. Now, you will continue, if you stay into it for a little bit longer, you'll start to continue to see more and more. But then again, it starts to flatten out just like if you're at altitude. But the difference is the payback and the timeline it takes to get that significant bump in your performance. So here's what I've been doing. And I mean, I'm all, almost letting the cat out of the bag. I almost feel guilty. It's like when you find something out that's so crazy, that you almost don't want to tell anybody. You want to save it, right? You, you want to save it for the, you know, your key client, the, the person that needs to win. Give them that little, give them it. You know, in a high rocks event, I'm saying, if you're an elite athlete, trying to eke out an extra minute off your time, brutal, right? I'm, I'm almost guaranteeing that a minute comes off your finish time at an elite level if you do the right things. And so here's the beauty of it. Okay, so let's just say that I have an event that's a month out. I'll start going into this heat block training three weeks out, allowing a week for taper. Okay, three weeks out, I'll start introducing this very specific uh, increase in my body core temperature while I'm training. And not all the time, but I'm very specific timelines, I would produce this work that's going to be banking these adaptations in my body that are going to start to proliferate. Okay. And then after about uh, two and a half weeks, maybe somewhere in the third week, I'll just leave it alone. I could leave it alone in two and a half weeks and I will still arrive at those benefits for another couple of weeks without changing. So what I'm saying is you get paid and you could get off of it and you need to get off of it because your body doesn't do well when you're in that heat. So uh, in order to keep your fitness and bring your fitness back up, just like you would in any kind of taper, you want to back off of it. And then what happens is you go into the race 155%. But you can do it. Uh, you administer this treatment over a couple of weeks and the, the benefits will continue to, to pay you for a couple more weeks without you having to do any more of it. So talk to me about, because now you got me thinking, I'm like, okay, the Chicago Marathon's coming up. I'm, as soon as I get off this call, this podcast I hit, I'm with Rich. We're going to be talking about how I can do this with him. Um, that's where my brain is. So I got to get back to being the host and be a responsible host for a second. Um, all right. So walk me through what is the actual, so you mentioned earlier, like, you know, the, sweet, the shoving rectal thermometers up your ass. Okay. I mean, I'll do, uh, 20 bucks is 20 bucks, Rich. I'll do anything once. So um, Listen, I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you what, it's like, when I got onto this and I found out that there's a device uh, that you can attach to your body, okay, it's, it's, a, it's about the size of a matchbook. And it actually is like a little clip that you can clip onto your, 
your uh, heart rate monitor strap. Kind of probably looks like this little microphone. Like Not even that could... big. Not even okay. that big. I mean, virtually no weight to consent tend with. It's it's uh, it's very flat. It, it doesn't, I mean, it's literally about that flat and about that square. And what it does, it's got a sensor on it that will accurately read, precisely read your core body temperature, not your external temperature, your core body temperature. And it will load it, ready, onto your Garmin. Oh, so yeah. Garmin when does when you that body temp reading. So, but. so whatever you're doing, you could see what your heart rate is and you can see what your core temperature is. Okay. So the the uh, I almost don't want to say it. The ideal core temperature that you want to achieve is 38.5 degrees Celsius, which works out to about 101.4 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, okay. it's not as simple as you might think. Um, it's actually better if you do it indoors and um, you do it at about 50% of your VO2 max intensity. Okay. So it's a it's a low intensity effort. What, real quick, just for everyone, because I'm sitting here, I'm like, all right, ninety eight point six is normal, right? That's like right. my normal core body temperature. Yeah. So how I mean, how much harder is it to go an extra three points up? Can I tell you something? The difference between you needing to have medical attention, I mean, like <laughs> ready to have a stroke. Yeah. Uh, ninety eight point six to one hundred and four. At one hundred and four, you're in deep duty. Okay. I mean, you're you're cooked. You can you can do irreparable damage to your organs at 104 degrees. Okay. Oh, okay. So, and it's it's interesting because I've been screwing around with this, and as you saw in the videos, I'm I'm guinea pigging these guys. I'm sticking them in suits to cook them. Right now, I'm not trying to just cook them. I got a core temperature uh, monitor on them, and I want to see what we had to do to get them to this place and what we could do to keep them in that place. And you'd be surprised, like moving the needle one point, it, it's, it's when you're used to seeing your heart rate jump all over the place, it is not like that. It takes a little bit, like I, like I told you earlier, I went out for a bike ride yesterday, I wore my sensor on it because it was hot as hell. It's 100 degrees, the feels like it's 108, the, the humidity is probably 65%, right? And so I went out and, you know, I put in 90 minutes and I'm monitoring my core body temperature. When I left the house, it was 98.6. I came back after that ride, sat in my, my, my garage, in my lab, which is an oven right now, uh, and just sat there for a little bit because I knew that once I got wind was off of me, now I've got issues, right? I sat there and my, my core temperature was 101. Okay, so it's right at that spot that you want. Well, but I'm, what I'm trying to, well, uh, and another 0.4 would have been great, right? So 101.4, I was at 100. Actually, I take it back. I was at 100. Okay. I moved four tenths of, or six tenths of a point, and I was cooked. I mean, I was sweating like a pig, right? At that just little bit of difference. Now, I've taken guys up. Uh, some people are more tolerant to it than others. I've taken people up and found them to quickly get over to like 102. And so realize again that the trick is to get into the spot and stay there. So it's not like you don't hydrate. It's not like if you start noticing your, let's just say that you don't have this fancy suit that we're using, but you, you dressed up for it. Maybe you put on a, 
a sweatsuit, maybe you put a you know a rain jacket on or something just to keep that uh, heat in, you start peeling this stuff off, right? And maybe you start drinking, dousing your head with water, whatever you can do to try to, to mitigate that in, increasing heat. But staying in that little spot is amazing. And you don't have to do it for that long. So like you do um, the, the longest session that I prescribe to these guys, 75 minutes. Uh, and uh, the shortest is 30, 30 minutes. So if you go 30 minutes at 60% or even 70% of your max or your VO2 max. So if you, let's just say hypothetically that your VO2 max is 100. Uh, and at 100, your, your, uh, your heart rate is 200. Um, so half of that would be 100 beats per minute. Sure. So it's a low level of intensity. Right. So uh, and getting there is it takes time. Right. So there, it doesn't count until you get into that window. So tricking your body to get to that that window so you don't waste a lot of time is, is that's what the suit comes in. The suit is not it's just it just makes it so that you're you actually have some glycogen left in you by the time you fucking get there. I mean, essentially, like because otherwise, if you'd had no suit, how long do you think that would I mean, how long would that take? Well, I mean, I'm not worried about glycogen levels being depleted. You know, you're looking at if you took 15 minutes to get to that spot and then laid in there for 30, 40 minutes, you're there, yeah. right? You, you got it okay. done. And by the way, if if you wanted to exacerbate the situation, you could come out of that and continue to train. Get out of the suit, you know, and just continue to train. But don't don't get weird. Don't let your heart rate or your, your core temperature keep climbing. You want to keep it in control. So the the trick is this, okay? We're talking about ways to try to control the the escalation of that core temperature, but the other consideration is uh, what you can do prior to a competition to keep your core temperature from rising too quickly. So the, the analogy I like to use, and I try to use it in a little blurb I punched out there, was uh, here's what this is what I did with these guys, by the way. You know, I, I, I'm just rude. I mean, I'm, I'm like the Marquis de Sade. I, I said, okay, everybody, you got getting in these suits, right? It's 100 degrees out. I said, so we're going to run a mile and a half. So I got them running around the block in these plastic suits. And as soon as they get back, uh, summarily, I'm shoving them on the treadmill and doing a VO2 max test. So think about what typically would occur in a lab. If you if you call a university or whatever to get a VO2 test, what they're going to do is you're going to walk in there fresh. They're going to take your data, put you on the treadmill, blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to give you your numbers, right? Well, what happens when you're midway into a competition? What's that? Your, your body's changed. Your body's having to adapt and your heart rate's going to change and your tolerance to lactate, all this stuff's going to change. Core temperature's going up. So I said, let's cook these guys, then test them. And let's see what the threshold looks like then. And let's try to figure out what the parameters might be in their training to get the, the, the more realistic result from um, the training, right? Sure. Uh, and so that's what I'm doing. And, and then what I did is I, I you know, I... I had to get them out of the suits because that was getting a little crazy, right? I mean, they were literally dumping. 
If you saw the the little video, oh, I, I saw he lift. He opened his sleeve, and it was like the water hose was just going. Yeah, it's like I think he probably dropped about. Uh, Oh, I don't know. It was probably 12 ounces of sweat came out of one sleeve. <laughs> Another 12 came out of the other sleeve. I had these guys the other day come in, and they, they were doing it from their from their pant leg. And, I mean, it was nasty. It's like it just looked like they pissed on themselves. It was just running out the bottom of their pants. And my lab was a mess. I mean, there was sweat everywhere. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is make a mess of my place, man. <laughs> Uh, but you know, for science, I wanted I wanted to, I wanted to figure it out. So I had him do um, a farmer carry, run uh, a mile, come back, do uh, a lunge walk with uh, a 45 pound slam ball on his shoulder for 200 meters, run one mile, come back, uh, do 100 wall balls, run one mile. And then we went upstairs and we we tested them on the skier and then on the rowing machine. I want to see when you're in the game, when you're when you're heated up and your body's stressed, what do these numbers look like now? How do they compare? So what? I, mean, I don't know. Did you well, clearly, previous? clearly the difference is is your VO two score is not going to be what it might have been. Sure. Your heart rate's going to be a lot higher than it might have been. Do you know that when you lose, if you lose um, a liter of sweat your heart rate will go up eight beats relative to whatever same effort. So if you, let's just say hypothetically, you're running at an eight minute mile and your heart rate's 140. Um, having been out there in sweat, your, your heart rate will be up another eight beats for the same performance. So it's costing you a lot. When you start losing those fluids, it's costing you. By the way, the other consideration is how well you contend with that evaporation how well you you can deal with that sweat production, and by the way, that one of the things that happens uh, from this testing or this process is it teaches you to sweat earlier, which cools your body sooner. That's what I was going to ask because sweating is like a like kind of like shivering is a built-in mechanism. heat mechanism. Sweating should be is a built-in cooling mechanism, correct? Yeah, absolutely, right. So you so you start sweating earlier, and your that's your body's way of like. Like when I turn the air conditioning on in my car before I go out to it from the app, right? I try I prep my car so it just I, it has time to cool off before I get my my ginger ass in it. Yeah, okay. well, it's so. But here's here's what I was going towards this, and I got lost. Let's just say I'm using Hyrox events because it's easy. There's eight runs and there's eight stations, right? So you start seeing these guys start falling apart about the fifth or sixth station. Heart rate's through the roof. Their performance has fallen off by about 10% already. What do you think their core temperature is then? I bet you they're at about 102. When you're at 102, you're, you're down by about 10% in your, your output. When you get anywhere near the end of that event, and you're probably, you probably sacrifice 20% of your, of your ability to perform. This is why it kills these guys to complete the wall ball. They're just totally between. The lactate, uh, uh, insidious nature of the lactate production and their body core temperature, those two, wham, bam, bam. It's like somebody hooks you in the head, uppercut to the chin. You're just screwed. Right? Can I ask why? So like, high rocks, for example, is it the – so if from someone's thinking about influences to my core body temperature, is it more the duration of the work or is it more the intensity of the work or is it the yes. type of work that's being done? 
it's it's both. I mean, if if the if the intensity is lower, duration becomes an issue. If the intensity is higher, duration isn't a big of an issue as the intensity and, and the heart rate that's going to be produced because of the intensity. But it's it's so and what I, what I was starting to say is I took these guys out in the street and I said we're not going to just like work our way into a run. The gun just went off and you take off. So I, I get about two minutes up the road and I'm checking their heart rate. So, you know, if you're trying to win, you're already jacked. Your heart rate's already jacked when you're at the start. You go off like crazy. In two minutes, you're, you're, already, you're already anaerobic. There's no such thing as being aerobic, right? So you're anaerobic and now you're producing all this lactate and all the insidious crap that comes along with the lactate that's starting to shut down muscle function is starting to go off. So that's the first, that's that's the jab in the face that's starting to hit you, right? And then your core temperature is going up because your heart rate's going up. And so those two things together start to combine into this 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 monster that's just gobbling you up, right? And so the performance enhancement we're speaking of is what can we do to keep your core temperature down? What can we do to deal with lactate more efficiently? What can we do economically with the way we move? This is my wheelhouse. This is what I do. I started with the efficiency and movement, which is lowering the cost of work, improving the output, critical bit of information, and then understanding how to uh, massage your, your metabolism at work. And then the, the coup de grace, so to speak, is going into this whole heat thing. I'm thinking, wow. I wish I knew this 10 years ago, right? And and by the way, now there's this is getting the cats out of the bag. I just saw there was a post on on in, uh, Twitter. Killian Jornet is using the same device that I'm using. Right? Is it is it the core? Yep. Core body temperature? Okay. Yeah. 250 um, bucks basically, okay? That's it's not a big press. It's about 250 yeah, yeah, bucks. Yeah. And the, the app is set up, you could, I mean, if you're just looking at it on your phone while you're training indoors, that's fine. If you don't have a Garmin. But if you have a Garmin, it will, it will send that data straight to your watch. That is. And, so, okay. I mean, I, I'm, so my head, I'm, I've got a ton of questions. So as you're saying this, I'm trying to think of like what the audience is thinking and the questions that I've got, which are probably the same. So this idea of, okay, I want to ramp up my core by, and again, it's very much the idea of like you, like you said, most VO2 max tests, again, you're, you're fresh, whatever, but in competition, you're not going to be fresh. We're trying to create the the moment, like the apex or that turning point in the workout, kind of like from for you, from going back to your book, like fatigue. We're trying to go back to like when fatigue is about to knock you out, how can you survive? So in this regard with the core body temperature, it, this is something like, you, you know, I know my heart rate. I know my heart rate if I'm going out for a, a six mile run versus a 16 mile run. I kind of have an idea where and how, where it's going to end up and all this other stuff. How long, I mean, these guys that you had come out, I mean, this is still obviously relatively new to them. You're guinea pigging with them. What kind of, like, what do you recommend from a training perspective if someone's utilizing this? Like, you're going to have to do like how often should they train with this thing and look at them like and start looking just like they look at their heart rate or their pace. It should just be, become another metric you're becoming aware of and understanding how your body responds via core temperature well, to so different training. In, in, in any regard. So if you look at heart rate or body core temperature, when things get out of control, 
the obvious uh, easy solution is to slow down. Mm -hmm. You know, start dampening down whatever's causing you to burn, right? Now, um, if you start seeing your heart rate get out of control, you slow your pace, right? Now, with core temperature, it's not quite that simple, right? It gets out. So you could start, uh, you could use the information to get on a much more effective hydration strategy. And there's some tricks that you can employ prior to an event that will help to keep you in a cooler place before you get it wrapped up in this. By the way, the guy that just won the Western States 100, he's employing the same device. He said he broke the record by 45 minutes and okay. by doing heat block specific training. Uh, so you start now I'm starting to see it. The guys, the guys from Norway that uh, uh, set an Ironman uh, record, same thing. You got these physiologists that are working with them. Now, so here's here's the danger. And I think it's important to bring this to light. <clears throat> is that if you don't know what you're doing, you need to have somebody help you figure this stuff out. So it's not I'm not going to just write it on a piece of paper and say do this. Sure. Because you if you get out of control, you get to you, 104, you're fucked. You can you can have a stroke. You can have a heat stroke. Uh, you can cause yourself irreparable damage if you're not careful. Now, you uh, mentioned 102 being kind of attempt that a lot of these guys at the very end of the High Rocks race at the 100 wall ball mark can find themselves realistically at 102. And beyond um, that. And beyond yeah, that. And beyond. But I mean, like, is it possible in those kind of an event, like in, in like for a marathon or a High Rocks, what's the, what's the realistic, practical opportunity for someone to get the 104? Um, I think it could happen. Uh, it's not quite as because the timeline is not as long. I think it could happen. Um, but so you know what ends up usually happening is people fail before they get that critical. Yeah, they get like rhabdo or something before that or cramps. No, what are they, they just you know you just you just things are not going well. You feel it and you start shutting down. But so let's not even talk about the demise. Let's talk about the performance decrement. We're starting to lose the ability to produce the work we hoped for. We're not having the race we had intended to have. Yeah. And, and that's, there you go. There, there's, there's the, the bailiwick right there. So what I'm suggesting is this is a very unique, efficient way to get a bump in your performance prior to uh, an A race. And you could use the tool um, through training, <coughs> excuse me, to get a better sense of what's happening to you relative to what you're doing. So knowing that, wow, uh, I just coughed. I said, I need some hydration. But just just those kind of things is just triggering a more, look at longer stuff, okay? I'm going to run a marathon. I'm seeing that I'm starting to get out of control. I need to drink. My, I may not be thirsty. I may not want to drink, but I could see that yeah. I need to start putting out the fire because, and I need to put the fire out early. I don't want to wait till I'm really in deep shit and then try to fix it. You need to start getting on top of it. But you can start to get a rhythm and you'll start to notice that you're having a better handle on. Realize that the better handle you have on that heat production, the longer your performance is going to be maintained. So that's the thing is you don't want your everybody's performance falls off towards the end. Right. And it's because their body is in more jeopardy than they were in the beginning. So you want to try to keep your body as happy as possible for as long as possible with the greatest amount of effort you can produce. And that's the that's the trick, right? And and this is what everybody wants. 
So I, I made the comment yesterday with a couple of um, athletes that I did a podcast with. And, uh, and you know, people may think, what an asshole, right? But here's, here's where I sit, okay? You know me. I'm an old guy, man. I've been doing this for a long, long time. And, and, and for the past, uh, geez, for the past 15 years at least, I've been sitting on the porch, meaning that I'm watching rather than participating. You know, I'm 70 years old now. So, you know, between 50 and 70, I'm no longer, you know, ramped up about my own ability to do things because that, 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 that dog is hunt. It's done, right? So I've been entrenched in the lab actually for 30 years doing measurements on athletes, all sorts of athletes. So what gets me up in the morning is being able to, to tap into this physiology uh, of these athletes and find out what it makes, what makes them tick and what makes them better and what makes them worse. And so where I'm going with this is I see these guys, everybody's trying to show me I can do a better deadlift than you. I can do more squats than you. Watch me pull the sled across in a little video clips for everybody to get gaga about. And I'm like, I want to throw up. It's like, you know, show me some intellect. Show me that you're doing something that's improving your fitness rather than, oh my God, my, my performance sucked, so now I got to work harder. Clearly, I must need to work harder. Um, you know, I shouldn't have took those breaks or I just got, you know, I got to lift heavier. I got to do more work. And what they end up doing is lackluster performance over and over, racing too often. As we talked about, there's a race every stinking week, right? So they can't help themselves. They got to go do the race. Their body doesn't want to race, but their brain says, well, you know, I really like it. My friends are going to be there. We're going to have a good time. This is not how you become an elite athlete. You know, an elite athlete should never coach themselves, A, and B, the, whoever is in charge of the game should have the, the foresight to know how the body's responding to the things you're doing, when to back off, and what triggers you need to be stepping on in order to get this thing to become more and more efficient. And to me, this is just one more thing that makes uh, my life more entertaining. I, I would agree. I, so let's say, okay, if someone, so let's say someone's training with this, this core device, um, and we're, we're not just referring to core is actually the name of the brand for everyone listening. It's not just what we're, core body temperature, but, um, the, so is my goal then to train in that, like, try to get to that, get to the one-on-one and then sustain, or do I think of like when I, cause I think of your training, like flow, right? With flow, I want to have a percentage of where I'm, I'm getting to the dark side and then I'm coming back down to aerobic and then I'm going to touch the pain again and that lack and then coming back down. Are you doing that kind of, con, you know, that undulating? No, I, I type of honestly, I would not, I would not give it much energy from a standpoint of intent with training. Okay. So on the day to day basis, when you're doing the things you do, especially if they're long duration outdoors, running something like this, tap that bad boy on and get that information so you can be aware. I did this. This is what's happening. I did this and I solved the problem like this. Just from an awareness perspective, it's just one more metric that's giving you valuable information about how your body's responding to the work you're doing. So uh, I've got one of my clients is uh, he's an elite ultra style of, uh, athlete. Just did um, 100 miles in Montana in the mountains. 
and uh, he, he wore that Cortez. He's <laughs> as soon as he saw me talking about it, he goes, "Hey, I bought it yesterday, right?" And tapped it on, and now we have this other bit of information. You start to think, see things are getting out of control. You need to start putting the fire out. You know, if if you can, you know, throw water on your head, um, you know, pull your shirt off and soak it in water and put it back. Whatever you can do to try to bring that heat down is valuable you, because it's going to prolong your ability to perform. And so um, I'm not saying it's a witch hunt. I'm not saying oh, don't ever go over this particular temperature. I'm saying be aware of the cost of what you're doing and your sustainability relative to that cost. But the, the heat block training is a whole nother animal. This is something you're doing very specifically for a very uh, limited amount of time that's going to create an outcome that's going to give you that bump at the very end. That's what I'm talking about. And that heat block would be like when you were mentioning, like within a five-day window type scenario. It's actually, no, it's actually about two weeks. Okay. But in, within that two weeks, you're going to see the greatest return on the investment in about five days. Got it. Now, so, and I've, I've, been, I've been cagey about giving you the details of how that training might look. Um, you know, I think, what the hell, I got to keep a little secret, right? But, but there, is a, there is a very unique process where you meld this into your training and do it in a timeline that is going to give you this reward just before it's time to race. So your, your peak volume, and I just refer to it as volume, leading into an A race is probably about three weeks shy of your event, right? Yeah. And then, and then you're starting to work your way back down to try to recover your fitness so that you're 100% come race day, right? It's on the same timeline. <clears throat> so right about the time that you're, you're getting ready to taper, you're infusing this new element that's going to give you that, that little bit of a bump that you, that you might have been missing. Does it hinder your ability? So let's say again, let's, I'm just going to use my marathon, right? Let, let's say I want to, I'm going to peak at 18 or 20 miles, right? That's going to be the three weeks out, right? I'm going to go with the far as I'm going to go is maybe 18 miles to 20. So, but would this block of training hinder me from being like, yeah, you might not hit what you thought you're going to hit. Cause you're dealing with something you haven't really no. focused on or well, dealt with. Okay. So let's just say that you're, your peak distance for training at that, like you suggested, 18 miles. So we're three weeks out Saturday. You plan to do 18 miles. That's fine. Do that 18 miles. You might have done um, the heat block training during the week that you're doing that, Those the peaking on your volume. You could maybe pick it up after you've done your longest run. It doesn't make it. You could blend it so it's a little bit before, a little bit after, a little bit during. Uh, it doesn't matter because remember that the effort is low intensity. Yeah. It's not really, it's not really having an inf and let's just say that your game is run. Okay. You're going to run a marathon. I would recommend that you do this uh, training. If you have it, you, like on a, a concept two bike, just, you know, listen to some tunes, get into your little fancy outfit, <laughs> get into a room and just, you know, put in the work, um, lose the, lose the suit, hydrate, maybe go on for another, like maybe you got a five mile run plan that day. Yeah. You go do, and you, you do recommend the suit then? So like that would be Well, it's a quick way to make sure that things are going to go to go together quick, right? Got it. Uh, so you know, that's the trick is uh, it, otherwise it takes forever. I mean, as I told you, I went out for uh, 90 minutes on on my bike. Now, I wasn't, you know, dressed up to beat the heat or create the heat. Um, but 
uh, my core temperature went from 98.6 to 100 and change. It, not much difference at all. And, I, you know, I'm looking at it going, wow, I was surprised. I thought it'd be a lot worse than that, but it wasn't. Um, so it's not that difficult to achieve. It's not that much of an imposition, as you might think. So it's uncomfortable, no question about it. You're going to sweat. You're going to sweat a lot. Um, if you do it right, you're going you're gonna to sweat. Um, but it's not about trying to create the sweat. It's, the sweat is an outcome of the heat, right? Your body's trying to cool itself off. And you just, you don't want it to get out of control. And this is where I worry about people is that, you know, these knuckleheads go out there. I use the analogy about the tire drag, you know. You know, somebody got the idea of dragging a tire and the tire might have weighed 30 pounds, right? And somebody sees it and they got to drag a 40-pound tire. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the guy that, you know, and then the other guy's got to drag a 60-pound tire, right? So, oh, you got hot? No, no, you didn't get hot. I really got you know? Yeah, yeah. So next thing you know, somebody's having a heat stroke. And, yeah, uh, and, you, and you're getting and you got a lawyer calling you. Um. <laughs> well, I don't sell the device. It's not. I by the way, I have. I when I got onto this, I contacted this company. By the way, I'm gonna throw them under the bus right now. <laughs> so I contacted these guys. I said, "Look, this is who I am. Uh, I coach athletes internationally, and I work in this space where I think this would be a, a really a tremendous asset to the athletes I work with." I said, I would love for you guys to hook me up with about, you know, three or four of these devices and some suits and whatever, and let me go to work and I will share content with you. And I promise yeah. you that what's going to end up happening when people find out, you're going to sell a shit ton of these devices, right? And the guy got back to me and said, yeah, no, nah, we're not interested. I said, what? What? I said, what do you mean you're not interested? I said, let's just say hypothetically that I sold 10 of these units because I started using it. That wouldn't be worth it to you, just 10? I said, I, I'm thinking there'd be hundreds, but there'll be 10? I said, you know, I get it. Okay, you've never heard of High Rocks. You've never heard of these, you know, deck or whatever. I said, Google it. Do you know what this guy told me? He said, if I've got to Google it, that makes my case. Oh, wow. <laughs> in order for me in order wow. for me to see what you're talking about, i got to freaking Google it. He goes, you guys ain't shit. Is basically what he was saying to me. And I thought, you know what? I tell you, I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Because, you know, he's pissing me off, right? I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I said, every person that I make contact with that ends up buying one of these devices, I'm going to send you the list with their names. So you could check your, your sales report yeah. and find out that you were fucking wrong. That, that I was absolutely on point with what I was trying to tell you and trying I mean, to introduce you. Swiss company, right? I think they're from Norway. Norway? Okay. They're Scandinavian um, for sure. Because uh, obviously with you, I mean, you're there working with, you monitoring those athletes, but are you also, I mean, most of your people you work with that are you might have on this protocol remote, is there a nutrition or hydration protocol that has to go with this? Well, um, a protocol loosely written okay so clearly i want my people to hydrate when they're training sure uh, by the way right now this is coconut water okay i like coconut water it's natural uh great potassium so everything he needs in this thing naturally when i'm not using something like this i when i'm on my bike or whatever uh, i don't want to use this because this could get rancid i think if you're out too long so i use scratch labs scratch labs is just an electrolyte replacement with a 
little touch of carbs in it, all the minerals and nutrients you need, uh, not much caloric density to it, not that I care, um, but it's just a good electrolyte replacement. So the timeline in which you, so let's just say you're running a marathon, in your case you're running a marathon. I would recommend you take on about four ounces every 45 minutes of a fluid. And okay. generally the fluid should have some carbohydrate and definitely some, some electrolytes in it. Uh, four to six ounces every 45 minutes. Uh, I like to see guys do like a, a gel pack. Yep. And the ones that I like um, are very unpopular. The company I think is probably, I don't know, I don't hear much about the company anymore, but I know they still sell the product. It's called, uh, the company is uh, Pacific Health Labs. They used to sell Accelerate. You remember that? No. Uh, well, see, <laughs> Accelerate. But uh, they uh, they have a, 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 a gel pack called uh, Second Surge. Second Surge has 100 milligrams of caffeine in it. And uh, like you, I'm a good-sized guy. If I'm out for – if I push hard for 45 minutes of running, I start to eat it, right? So yeah. I pop one of these guys, I'm 100%. Like, boom, just all of a sudden I'm good. Yep. And, and I, I used to refer to it as it buys me another 45 minutes, right? So I would do one before an event. I would do one in the first hour an event. Uh, and maybe if necessary, later on one more, that's it. If you try to do more than that, you're going to find yourself in the, the porta potty shit in your pants, right? Cause your body just, your GI tract doesn't like all that sugar. And, but the, but the, but the beauty of it is the caffeine doesn't bother you. You, you, you think that's a lot of caffeine. I don't feel it. I mean, the performance improves, but, and I'm sure behind the scenes things are working, but aside from that, um, it, it works. So, um, Getting back to my prescription would be based on what we're doing. Uh, in, in an hour workout, if it's just like an indoor high rock style workout, weight training, whatever, water's fine. Okay. You don't, you don't need to replace electrolytes in, in an hour um, or even carbohydrate for that matter. Um, you know, obviously you're going to eat afterwards and prior to, but you don't, you don't need to replenish your carbohydrate source during an hour event. Um, if you go out for a couple hours, that's another story, right? And so yeah. I got guys in all fashions of distances and challenges. You know, some of them, one of my guys, I'm, I'm weaning him to win the world's toughest mutter, which I absolutely think he's going to do. Um, and so we're much more cautious about the hydration strategies, feeding strategies, and also having him pay attention to his body core temperature. And also knowing what heart rate he should be training at. And also making sure that he's running properly. Correct. I mean, like, right. It's a, there's a lot to do. Can you take this um, this concept and you can just layer it on top of any training strategy, or is there a specific, also actual the training, the actual work that has to go with this? Nope. It doesn't matter. It, it because you're not trying to be specific about the the task. It's your body's generating heat, and However you cause to create that heat or manage that heat is all that matters. And you, you don't want the intensity to be, you don't want to rush into it. You don't want to rush over it. You don't want to not get there. You want to get into that spot and stay there for the duration that is intended. And so yeah. uh, I'm looking at over the course of a couple weeks uh, of training, and let's just, just for safe sake, call it 14 days, um, probably – 
two days of total recovery. Maybe one day a week you're taking a total recovery day. And of the first week, probably um, three days of heat block training, including your training. <clears throat> In the following week, possibly three days, but longer duration separated a little more carefully, different intensity. <clears throat> and then just weaning off of it after that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Interesting. So, you know, partly so thinking about this with the um with the, so is there again like going back to everybody wanting to become heat adaptive with the sauna cold adaptive with the cold plunge and the difference between uh, and i'm gonna go back to it being being acclimated and then what was the word you used it's hard to say acclimatized acclimatized that's okay yeah so we have these two different things one is essentially being there passively in existence with the temperature passive or versus, active yeah and the one versus being active now like there are brands i don't know if you've seen it if it's hit like um hit nashville yet you heard of hot works so no. hot works is uh you can there's literally they're infrared sauna workouts <clears throat> working out inside of a of an infrared sauna okay essentially um is that, I mean, I've seen videos of people pulling in a, you know, an assault bike into their home sauna and cranking out calories and, you know, grip and rip it on a, is that, is, would that be a similar, I mean, would that be a similar way to do it is to get into, instead of wearing the suit or whatever, getting yourself into a hot climate controlled area like a sauna and actively moving, working out, whatever. I don't see a problem with that. The, the problem that I see is letting it get out of control. Sure. So if you if you overheat, you're not going to benefit. It's going to be detriment. It's detrimental to exceed that window of opportunity. So and so same thing with the duration. So you think, well, so and so is doing this for an hour. I'm doing it for two. No, it's like you start. It's like overtraining. You start to de you detrain your body. And then you got to dig your way out of that detrained state, right? It's like yeah. if you go three days in a row really hard and your body is like tapped after that, normally you might, after a day off, you're 100%. Now you need three days off. So two days of training are missed out of your week. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting that you we're talking about this because I just got through gleaning some information from uh, and that's where, let me just pull it up right here so I remember what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, where are you? Ah, here we go. So I don't know if we've ever discussed this, you and I, but this guy, Dave Brailsford. So this guy was the, um, he was the general manager for Team Sky, okay? The, uh, the professional cycling team. Uh, prior to him being involved with that team, they never won shit. I mean, they had never um, had one of their athletes do well in the tour, whatever. So he suggested what he refers to as the uh, the aggregation of marginal gains, okay? Which okay. another way to say it is the 1% solution. You might have heard this before, right? So what he uh, looked at is incrementally what you can do just these little things collectively that you can do 
that will make a significant difference over time, right? And so the 1%, like the, the day you did it, eh, didn't mean anything. A year later, because you consistently did that one thing, you see this, this progress that was gained specifically because you did this one thing. So I'm taking this back to what we're talking about, which is um, you're not going to notice any big move just because you expose yourself to some heat one day or two days or five days, whatever, doing the right thing for the great length, the, 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 the correct length of time is what's going to start to pay off. Now, I would venture to tell you, and I haven't had a chance to do it yet. It's kind of new for me. Put somebody through a very specific heat block training, test them prior to and test them right on the timeline. So I want to go day six. I want to test the VO2 again, because I've seen just through the research that between a 5 and 8% increase in your VO2 score. And also uh, improvements in your lactate threshold as well. Um, so I'd like, to, I'd like to test it. I want to see, okay, because I applied this, this type of ath athlete's outcomes, that I ach achieve this end. Um, because, you know, I mean, it's one thing to read it everywhere. It's a whole other thing to, to apply it yourself and, and you know, be absolutely convicted because it, it happened in your house. The business brain in me is going, okay, if, if let's say this, this catches on, like, like heart rate training has, like other things have when it's shown to, when used in a, in a smart training protocol to increase performance, that means then the next thing is going to be hacks, whether it's like, you know, a fucking hat that goes in the freezer that I put on my head that helps cool, like, you know, products that start helping me. That's cool already happening, bro. Yeah. Okay. So like, so, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, yeah, that's got to already be out there. Cause then we're talking about your, tr you're seeing, you're increasing this, your body's ability with red blood cells through this heat. But then it's ultimately the only performance benefit is because it comes from your body's ability to cool itself off, which allows you to not see that performance degradation. Correct. So like, what yeah, kind of products yeah. are out there for people to use to cool their core body temperature while in the activity? I mentioned that this guy, uh, this English dude just set a record at the Western States. There's a video on YouTube where he's showing that he's using this device we're speaking of. And while he's talking about it, he's cutting holes in his shirt. So he's got one of these, you know, cool shirts. And he's got a hole, like a paper punch. And he's making these little holes all over his shirt. And then he goes to work on his hat, making holes, and along the back, making holes. He said he's gotten really good at making designs with his with his hole punch just to try to release heat as, mo as effectively as possible. Um, so you're right on point. I mean, there's, there, are, there are devices out there people are using. Um, I will share one tip, okay? Uh, one thing you could, let's just say that, and, and Thank me later if that worked for you, whoever's listening to this. Let's just say you show up at your A-Race High Rocks event. I want to use that because that's the thing that we're doing these days. You are, you're waiting for your heat, right? Pun intended. And so you're, you're, in the, you're in the venue. You got yourself a little igloo cooler, right? And in that igloo cooler, you got ice. Maybe you've got a hat sitting in there. Maybe you've got a... Uh, a t-shirt or something soaking in the, the ice water. But you also have this slushy drink. So you have crushed ice with water in a drink. 
And for 15 minutes prior to you racing, you start sipping on this thing. So you're bringing your core temperature down, right? And then maybe, maybe, uh, maybe 10 minutes prior, so that's 15 minutes out, 10 minutes prior, you pull that shirt out of the, the, the igloo cooler and you throw that on. It's freaking freezing, right? So now your body's cold. By the way, you did your warm up already. Let me just get that out of the way. You did your warm up. So you're not like, you're not putting cold on your knees, right? You're just, you're, you, you've already done everything you need to do to make sure you're race ready. Now we just want to make sure that we go into this race with a cool temperature. And then the day before, you make sure, the week before, you make sure your hydration is on point. But when you take a piss, it is like clear. There's no, you know, I've got, I talked to a guy the other day that I work with. He goes, yeah, my piss was brown. Is that okay? Said, <laughs> no. No, that's not, okay. That's not good, right? So, but you, you want to do whatever you can to get in this lower state of temperature as possible before the gun goes off. And so let's just say, using the analogy I used earlier, um, stage six is where you start to fall apart. Now it's now you're making it all the way to the wall boss before your, your body really takes a shit. Instead of falling off by 20%, you only fall off by 5%. So the production of work that you were able to do because you did the right things preemptively, along with the heat training that you did, now you're now you're you're rocking. You're ready to go, buddy. Cold immersion, like so, you wouldn't, but like it wouldn't be advisable before that Hyrox gun goes off to get into an ice bath because that's too. No, much. you could do that. You could okay. do that. I mean, it's just not. It's it's just not efficient. I mean, not practical. Less practical, and and also, I mean, you get out of. I mean, get it. You get it. Then the one thing about the ice bath, you get out of that, and you feel like you could run through a fucking wall because you got your fight or flight system is just on. Is just well, look if you could get a uh, you know a baby's wading pool or something and bring it into the venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fine. I, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not suggesting that there is a better way. I'm just saying that whatever you can do. Yeah, Whatever so you, you want to start at like a deficit. You want to be, you want to, you want to move the goalposts as far back as you can on that core body temperature prior to the event. Absolutely, yeah. So fucking. They said rather than rather than trying to figure out how to put the fire out, don't have a fire. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to talk, Rich, because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm behind uh, behind schedule here for this this three hour marathon, and uh, you know I'll. You know, minus anything, I, I'll I'll take any performance enhancing. Uh, well, I got to like tell that. you, the thing for you, I, I would absolutely suggest that you um, you just start ramping up, ramping up the work as best you can between now and then. There's yeah. nothing that's going to supplement the the work. You got to do the work. Sure. And no, absolutely. I. But do you think? Okay, in my in my selfish this example of this, do you think obviously obviously ramping up the work, but. Is this still would, would this be a protocol you'd recommend? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't care if if your fitness is. I'm just trying to give you a, a number. Let's just say your fitness is X, right? Uh, your fitness isn't going to turn into Y, but it'll turn into X plus, right? So sure. you're you're going to you're going to give yourself a bump that you wouldn't have had, and it's easy to get in a timeline that's reasonable. I, again, I, I refer back to what I said early on. I can't think of another thing that will give you this much of an advantage inside of five days of influence. And I, for visualization, is the performance advantage essentially is 
it's not like, oh man, uh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be running at a faster pace. It's essentially, I'm able to, again, battle the fatigue. I, once my body hits this temp, I'm, I will not lose those points that I'm typically losing with my core temperature rising. No, I, think it's, to- no it's, I think it's absolutely performance enhancement as well. So, okay. Because realize it's, it's helping to mitigate the, the, the lactate uh, production. Not production, but it's it's going to do. You're going to do a better job when you get hot. Your your pace is going to be sustained. So you know, here's the way it works. You got a guy. They're looking at it just as a number. One k four minutes. So first first run you do three fifty five. Next one you do four oh five. Next one you do four ten. Right. So your time is dropping off as fatigue setting in. If you can get to um, your fourth fifth round. And you're still at 355. Look at the time savings you have already. So I'm just using the run as an analogy. It's it's across yeah. the board. If I can save you five seconds times eight, that's 40 seconds, right? Right. Yeah. So let's just. And I'm not even talking about the rest of it. So sure. If I I honestly for an age grouper, I would think that uh, you could see a, a, a as much as five minutes uh, dropped. Not because of anything else you did with your training, other than in, including this heat heat block training. Tell me that's not money. That's freaking money. Dude. It's money. And now my next my next thing is so is Rich Diaz now working on? He, he said he wasn't going to do any more books. You got to do. Are you going to yeah, just? Yeah, I've already started on man. I like, yeah. You know, I uh, it just got me. I just got excited about the concept, and um, being more specific. I'm I'm thinking in terms of just going right after the whole you know, the, the gorilla in the room, which is fatigue. You know, I, 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 I want to clean up the flow thing. I think that I did a, a haphazard job with trying to explain that to people. People are not sharp enough to, to, to get weird with me sometimes. Uh, I don't, that didn't sound right, but I, I just think that I, I was, I was a little bit more confusing than I could have been. I need to dummy shit down even a little bit better. Yeah. So people will trust it and employ it without getting lost in it. Sure. Uh, I had somebody tell me once they were so proud. It was uh, it was on a Facebook Live thing. Um, they had this thing like a quarterback has on the sleeve, you know. Oh yeah, for for their the flow regimen. <laughs> All the data was here. Look, she showed me that you know she had the flow thing with the with the. Uh, yeah. I'm like, you missed the point. I said, you absolutely. She, I crushed her soul. I said, I said, you totally fucked this up. I said, that's not what I was trying to teach you to do. I, I'm trying to teach you to think. Right. Yeah. People yeah. want like just give me the exact steps to do, Rich, in this one to many book in which you've never seen me or ever know me or anything like that, yeah. which it's not there. It's like this is a recipe, but you've got to kind of put it together on your own, you know, unless unless I'm literally monitoring your every workout type scenario. Right. Well, and and you know, it's like the old adage, you know, you, you give a guy a fish he eats today, right? You know, teach a guy to fish. So I'm trying to teach people how to fish. I'm not trying to hand out fish, right? Sure. And so obviously enough, that requires more than just somebody reading a book. Um, and, you know, I coach people, and that's that's what I try to do with the athletes I coach is I, I try to guide them through these processes. And then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the angel on the shoulder. I get to see what – I see the metrics. I see what you're doing. I see – by the way, I've got athletes now that I'm synced into their, their core temperatures. So I can see relative to what they did, what their core temperature was and, and how they, things are going. 
Is there any, or is there, are there such thing as athletes that naturally run hot? Like, I, so I'm oh, naturally yeah. a hot. So when I go out and when I go, I have to bring two pairs of shorts, four hats, and two pairs of shoes to a workout. Because I mean, like literally, I can take a shoe, I can take my zero shoes, and I can just do this, and it just water. I have to change my shorts because the gym, as I walk around the gym from my run, coming in, pushing a sled, I, I'm literally, I mean, it just puddles. And the poor gym owner, I'm like, dude, I'll give me the mop later, I'll take care of it. It, and I always thought it was just maybe a side effect of like being on TRT and things of that nature. Like the, you know, some of this maybe that had something to do with it, or maybe I just naturally run hot. Um, like I've got one of those eight sleep mattresses and I have it at negative 10 every night because otherwise I will sweat the bed. Like I pissed it now if for people who naturally, so is it possible I might find it easier to get into these higher core temperatures than someone else? Um, I don't know that the amount that you sweat is directly correlated to your core temperature. Okay. Some people sweat more than others. It's got to do with your sweat glands, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I started studying sweat glands, you know, because I'm curious. I said, okay, this is the way you're losing the heat. Uh, this is your cooling mechanism. Let me learn about that. So there basically are three types of sweat glands. And one of them is principally responsible for cooling the body. Uh, some of them are hormonal, you know, it's like you push off pheromones and th th there's a lot of weird sure. shit that goes on with sweat glands. But um, did you know that your relative to your mass when you're a child your your rate or, or your volume of sweat glands relative to mass is greater than it is as an adult because as you get bigger you don't create more sweat glands you just have more space to share those sweat glands Got okay it. you want something else to blow your mind i read and and it wasn't conclusive but there was they were pointing towards People that have like lots of body tattoos, all that ink that you're driving in there destroys those sweat glands. Oh, wow. And so you don't have the same capacity to cool as you might have if you not done that to yourself. That is, is interesting. I've had this conversation with guys who were pretty well tatted up and they're like, yeah. what? I said, <laughs> you know. You're going to increase the, uh, the laser tattoo removal market. Um, <laughs> well, then that's that's not going to help either because the scar tissue is just oh, just just as bad, huh? Yeah, no, you're yeah, you're it's that. Oh man, that ship has sailed. So, um, and so I'm assuming, obviously, I mean, again, yeah, writing a book takes a long time, and you're obviously you've got your athletes that you're working with on the regular test, you know, very you know, testing this out, and you're going to play with it and and do what Rich Diaz does. Will I mean, will there be more? I mean, I know this is the first podcast you talked about it. And I'm, hey, I'm fucking honored, brother, that you, you, you know, doing this on mine. Um, are we going to hear more of this on your own podcast and some more content coming yeah, out? Yeah, well, so one of the things that I, I, I wrap my head around and I'm trying to make a commitment to actually doing a live podcast every week on YouTube. Uh, I just think I need to do that because um, it's like, you know, when a tree falls in the forest, right? Sure. You know, you, you, you know, I have to be relevant. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I keep my, my, my information out there. Yeah. You know, as I get older and I, you know, I get a little bit lazier and I, uh, I'm just, you know, used is to be people live, were, then the accountability is there for you. Is that, well, like yeah, it's, I need, I do need the accountability. And, uh, the, the downside is that, you know, unlike you, um, for me to do a podcast, just me is like pulling teeth. It's like, I know that that, that will, that will fail. Because 
me just looking at this camera and, and <laughs> talking. I've done it before. Yeah, I've done it with audio, and I, I just like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, it's just too hard. Sure. So um, two things. I'm looking for a co-host. Uh, I'm looking for somebody that's engaging, that's ambitious, and willing to go the ride to, to see where it goes. Because, you know, it's already got pretty good traction. I, I mean, the my, my YouTube site's already pushing up on 10,000 subscribers. And yeah. I really haven't put any energy into it. I think I think you'll really like doing the lives. The nice thing about the live is that the, here's the here's the the you know from someone who does content consulting on, on a regular basis. You the thing is being able to engage with the audience while still getting a quality message across. And sometimes that takes a second person to be able to feed you the good shit because you're going to be in the middle of talking about whatever. And those are the nuggets people showed up for. But right. the enter that's the education. The entertainment factor is when someone has some kind of a smart-ass question and you answer it in a very Rich Diaz way. That's that entertainment factor that's going to come from audience part. It's like going to see a comedian and somebody heckles a comedian just a little bit. And then you get to see the comedian go off script and say shit they were never planning on saying on that on that set. Right, but right. that's the, that's like the that's why you attend the live show because you get to see that. Now, obviously, your lives will then live recorded on the podcast or you could then repurpose them. No, I, I understand why to do it. I, I we did it. We did it. I'm going to share with you. We set out to do the very first one yesterday. Okay. Everything went, I mean, it was going to be simulcast. It was going to LinkedIn. It was going to Facebook, going to YouTube. Everything was working perfect for five minutes, and the thing died. Oh, and, yeah. And I don't even know why or how or what it was. Uh, the good news is I, it was recorded, so I still have it, and I can still put it up. But that scared the crap out of me because the last thing I'm going to do is every time I go up there, I have – It's it's technology dependent, and you got to, you know – you got to call your cable provider. You're going to want to make sure you're pulling at least one gig with your cable, with your internet. And if you can't pull a gig and you're doing it like you will have, there will be issues. Like, so we were supposed to do a Zoom podcast today. And then I sent you this link. So I started just playing around with this service because it allows me to see, I can see your internet speed. I can see how many megahertz your speed, your, your mic is. I know exactly the resolution of your camera. That way, if there's any shit happening, I'm able to tweak things in live time as needed. So to keep, again, a good quality product. But when you go live, you're right. If that internet's unstable in any way, and especially if you get fancy, you start doing call-ins. Yeah. Right? I don't think like, it was me. I don't think it was on my end. I think it was um, the uh, the program I'm using to do that. Yeah, I think, I think they're having a glitch because I was actually watching a tutorial on YouTube where one of the guys that are like the – one of the head guys for this company is called Ecamm. That's what but, I use. Yeah. Oh, I use yeah. Ecamm. So, yeah. Yep. so the guy that was Adrian, whatever his name is, was talking about how to go live and it died on him. And oh, know, wow. he, was all, he was all apologetic and came back and, you know, had the, the re-recorded thing. And, and during that he apologized and said, well, if you were on that live, you knew what happened, whatever. Just, I said, well, thanks brother. Cause this shit just happened to me too. You know? Yeah. Ecamm so, is great. I don't go live, uh, but I mean, it's I, I use it for all the other stuff. It's phenomenal there. Um, but it, I got to, I mean, I know a lot of people who do, and Ecamm is the product they go with. So I got to imagine they're probably on that. Like they've got they've got resources. To, you know, they, that's a good sized company. They got the resources to hopefully fix that problem. Well, I, I'm definitely going to be, I haven't had a chance to get in their ass yet, but I'm going to because uh, I, 
I'm on a mission and I, the last thing I, I mean, I spent a long time setting this thing up. I mean, I, I wanted this thing to look freaking perfect. Right. Yeah. And on my end, everything was golden. I mean, literally I spent two days checking it, rechecking it, making sure it was just, everything was on point. And you know, it started out perfect and then boom, just dropped me. Yeah. yeah so it's not easy to learn. It's I mean, it's it's great software. I mean, it's phenomenal, but it's involved. I mean, you, you've got to really be willing to sit down and watch those YouTube videos for several, several hours and test, you know, do test recordings and all kinds of shit. Well, um, I've got I've got it about I'm, I'm pretty tight with it because I use it for my coaching. Yeah. And it's great for my coaching. I mean, I can yeah. I can drop things in. I got it tied into my iPad. I got it tied into my phone. I mean, so many things I could do with it. So yeah, Rich, I'll tell you one thing I was telling my girlfriend when I got back from that trip, I'm like, dude, for fucking 70, that guy is as technologically advanced as my like kid, like colleagues my age in their, you know, young to mid thirties. Um, I, no, not my, you know, yeah. I'll tell you what, somebody else told me that yesterday and I said, you got, you don't know me, man. I said, <laughs> I, I, I am always having to read, lead on somebody else. Like just trying to do like, a, you know, push my iPad up to my TV. So how do you do that again? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So I'm not that good. There's things, some things I work on, and I obviously get better at that. But, yeah, you know, in my own yeah. wheelhouse, I'm fine. But, but I mean, but again, you've got you you've got a vision for how the pro the end product wants to come out and what you want it to be like. The experience for the remote coaching or alive, and and you're gonna do that. So for anyone listening right now, that's you know you've been you've been kind of like a little bit of a bitch about making content or whatever. You're you're you do it and you half-ass it. You got rich here. Fuck it. At 70 years old. You know, probably out teching you, and it's not. It's just time. That's all it is. It's not. In, it's not impossible. It just. It just takes time and the desire to want to have that good end product out. Um, yeah, that's the, the first podcast. I, I'm going to let you go out of here in a minute. I mean, we take a lot of time. The first podcast I did, I was invited onto a podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was, and I'm talking about this is ten years ago. Yeah, some guy. This, this dude, this, I don't even know if the guy's still around. This guy, what he would do is he would go to marathons and he have this sign that say uh, Marathon Live or something like that. And he had a microphone. He would run around and just go up to people and ask them what their name was and whatever. It's a good little and, stick. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he, uh, he would do, he had like a very robust podcast he was doing. Somebody had told him, you got to get a hold of Richard Diaz and get him on your show, right? So he reached out to me and he was asking me questions about heart rate 10 years ago, right? And um, we discussed heart rate and how it plays into training and whatever like this. And he reached out to me after, he goes, my God, he goes, I can't believe how many people um, jumped on that thing. He goes, I bet you we sold a thousand heart rate monitors during that, that. He goes, you need to do a podcast. He goes, I run around with a sign. He goes, I don't have content. He goes, you are just, yeah, yeah, yeah. he goes, you're loaded with information. You should do your own podcast. I said, you know what? I will. And so we started doing a podcast and I, I probably in the tank and audio content, I probably have uh, 500 episodes that are out there. Uh, and I just kind of, the audio thing just, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Things have changed though. That was 20, 2013. You it was know? a long time ago. Yeah. It's it's the game has changed. That's for sure. I remember nobody, the, nobody was doing podcasts back then. I it took me till 2017, and the only reason I, I was so heavy in the video, and everybody who I would talk to would be like, "Hey man, I listened to your video," and I was like, 
And I was spending a lot of money on videographers and editors and I'm flying around with these guys and paying for the hotel rooms and all that. And like, the fuck are you doing listening to it? You know how much money I'm spending on this? And they're like, man, I'm, you know, I'm pushing the bolt, my scrubber across my gym floor, or I'm holding my kid, or I'm doing work at the gym. I can't, I can't watch it. I have it on in the background. I listen to it like a podcast. I was like, God, because I didn't listen to, I don't listen to podcasts natively. Like me personally, I mean, now that I run a lot, it's become more of a thing, but I just never needed it. But I was like, well, fuck it. If that's what they want to, that's how they want to hear it. I guess that's what I'm going to do. Well, we, we started uh, for a while there. I would, I was moving towards YouTube. And then what I would have to do is I would have to apologize to people on my audio. You can't see what I just showed the audience, but this yeah, yeah, is yeah. what we're talking about, right? Yep. And so we, I was supporting both. I still have, uh, uh, the natural running network is still up. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I follow that. I've got, that's yeah, one of the ones that, I've got on there. Yeah. But you could also see that there probably hasn't been a, a, a current podcast for quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you kind of go in and out of seasons and that's why I figured like when I hadn't seen one, I remember I went for a run. It was, you know, it was before I reached out to you, you know, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen, you know, Rich hasn't pumped anything out in a minute. And then I saw the soup video like that. What I'm like, Oh, he's working on something. He's got something new in the works and that's, uh, that's, that's kind of what it, that's, that's when I kind of figured you were on the, you were working with something, but listen, I'm, I'm pumped about this. I think this is great, man. I'm, uh, I'm obviously, I'm such a huge, huge fan of you. And, uh, I'm, again, I, uh, I would love for more people that are in these various different CrossFit, high rocks, hybrid racing, whatever, to, to look into all the good shit you got out there. But, uh, for anyone who's not familiar, where's the best place for them to go to learn more about all the smart shit you know that could help them uh, <laughs> suck less and beat fatigue? Well, I would love for people to actually purchase Training the Dark Side. Yeah. Uh, I, after I shit on, on it so much in this broadcast. it's the, I mean, Listen, you're only shit because, again, you're, you're having to deal with individuals I think mo I think most people, especially from in my audience, because a lot of them are actual strength and conditioning coaches. They're actually gym like they under they're not just the athlete. Most of them are of some degree of fitness professional to a degree. They want you one hundred percent can consume it at the at the B two B level, right? B two C when you're talking, you know, down to somebody who's you know just started doing high rocks a year and a half ago. Yeah, that it, it maybe, but still at the same time, I thought it was simple enough. You use fucking pictures for God's sake, my God. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I, 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 I'm my own worst critic, but I every now and then I go back and I read some of it. And I go, wow, that's pretty good, you know. <laughs> and and so uh, as much as I, 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 I shit on it, it's I, I think it's an amazing read. I think it's worth anybody that's competing in anything. The concepts that I'm trying to get across in that book, I think, are gold. I absolutely think they're gold. And not because I wrote it. It took me, I told you this before, it took me four years to write that stinking book. Yep. A little book like this, four years. Yeah. Because theory is not something that, I mean, you can always grab somebody else's shit and sure. regurgitate it and throw up a nice book. But uh, original thought, fun uh, foundation coming from research that you conducted. Um, that's not as easy to come by, uh, and it's in that book. So, and the, the follow-up book, I mean, I shouldn't even talk about it because then I got to do it. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, I think that what I'm going to do, it's, I, I almost wanted to call it training the dark side 2.0, <clears throat> but I'm not going to call it that. Um, training the dark side for dummies. <laughs> no, not just that, but I, I mean, the inclusion 
of the heat block training and being very systematic of approaches for performance, <clears throat> cleaning up some of the things that I think were a little fuzzy for people, yeah, um, and just making it better. Um, you know, look at look at Apple. I mean, where they started and where they are. You know, they're, they're not still selling the same little computer that they sold 20 years ago. <clears throat> got It's got to evolve. It's got to evolve. Um, yeah. Awesome. But All finding right. your best would be just go to the website. Go to dshumanperformance.com. dshumanperformance.com, everybody. I'll have links to all that in there. Definitely, uh, I've got the books. They're great. I mean, I've downloaded everything you've ever made. I've got it all. Uh, it's it's awesome, good shit. The High Rock stuff especially. I mean, the CrossFit stuff even that you did with Fisher, all that is really good for anybody uh, from an athlete or even a coach. If you're a coach listening to this in your gym and you're looking for some unique ways to put together workouts that look different than the gym down the street – I guarantee you could you could look at what Rich has done here and you could find a cool way to extract some of that concept and put it into your group class. Um, and it would give them a very interesting dose that they probably aren't, they're not going to experience anywhere else. So um, yeah, Rich, man, thank you so much. This was great. Good seeing you, man. I appreciate you.